Welcome to RCV Clips, short recordings and interviews designed to introduce listeners to helpful tools and brief explanations about ranked choice voting and how this voting method works. These clips are produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, a compilation of best practices and first-hand experiences from jurisdictions that have used ranked choice voting, also known as RCV. The website, www.rankedchoicevoting.org, and the overall project serve as resources for election administrators, voters, policymakers, candidates, and for anyone who wants to learn more about ranked choice voting. We are not advocacy-focused. Rather, we aim to provide resources that allow jurisdictions to implement RCV effectively and efficiently. The RCV Resource Center team is comprised of former election administrators who have conducted statewide, municipal, and district RCV elections. Welcome to the December 2019 episode of RCV Clips. I'm Chris Hughes, a member of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center team. Today, we're going back to the archives to run a little RCV review for you. RCV had a big 2019 and is poised to have an even bigger 2020, so we figured now is a good time to go back over just how RCV works and why it's used. For this episode, we're mashing up two previous episodes of the podcast, Back to RCV Basics from August 2018 and Multi-Winner Ranked Choice Voting from February 2018. You'll hear from former RCVRC staffers Karen Brinson-Bell and Connie Schmidt in the first segment, and from George Gilbert and me in the second. If you need visuals of ballots, the round-by-round count, or anything else, check in the show notes for links to those sorts of resources. Without further ado, let's review. But today we wanted to bring back some attention to just the single winner method of ranked choice voting. Talk also about where it's used, how to fill out an RCV ballot. So we wanted to take a step back this month and talk with Connie Schmidt about just that. Connie is a member of our Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center team, and she has decades of election administration experience. She's helped Minneapolis with their RCV implementations in 2013 and 17. So if you want to see some visuals to go along with this episode, like ballots, illustrations of the counting process, and more, check out the show notes on your podcast app for links to those resources, including a webinar that Connie did on this subject um, many months ago. So, Connie, thanks for joining us today to talk about the basics of ranked choice voting. Thanks, Karen. It's so nice to be with you all today. We'll just start off with the why. Why do cities, states even adopt ranked choice voting or RCV? And what benefits do people see from the voting method? Well, I think there's a lot of things that I've seen, particularly my experience mainly has been in the city of Minneapolis, where I actually saw ranked choice voting for the first time being used. But many places, um, it eliminates the primary election, and it can eliminate a runoff election. And for everyone involved in elections, they translate that quickly to dollar signs and dollars being saved. It also um, avoids plurality winners. So in most instances with ranked choice voting, the winner of the election um, is going to receive at least 50% or more of the votes cast. That translates easily to um, campaigns that seem to be a lot more civil in nature. Uh, Candidates uh, usually are more inclined to uh, not tear down another candidate. They want to get the first vote and maybe the second choice vote from all voters. So civil campaigns has been uh, basically an an outcome of ranked choice voting. 
um, which equals a lot of broader voter participation. Voters don't have to go to the polls, but just one time. They're not going to vote in a primary and then having to come back a couple of months later and vote again in that same election. And of course, for election administrators serving our UOCAVA, our military overseas voters, has, has really been a challenging uh, thing for us to do because of concerns with trying to get our ballots out to the military and overseas voters on time. In the event there, if, with the primary election quickly followed by a general election or a runoff election, it makes it sometimes almost impossible to get that second ballot out to the military overseas voters. So ranked choice voting ballots, being able to send those out just one time to those voters um, really helps to solve that problem and makes it easier for um, those voters to participate. And I'll touch on that as my next question. You mentioned the UACAVA, so that's Uniformed and Overseas Citizens Act, uh, for those who aren't familiar with that terminology. and. Can you tell us, tell our listeners where where that's used for UACAVA purposes? Well, right now, um, we're, the ones I know of right now are um, Arkansas, Alabama, uh, South Carolina, Mississippi, Louisiana, and then there's the city in Illinois, Springfield, Illinois, that are currently um, distributing those ballots to military overseas voters as ranked choice voting ballots. Great. And then you've mentioned Minneapolis as being one of the locations that uses RCV for their um, elections in general. And what are some of the other places that have adopted RCV and are using it? Well, I think I've, um, it's easier to talk about the, um, the cities, the big cities that are using it right now. San Francisco, uh, California has used it for quite a long time. Cambridge, Massachusetts. Um, Minneapolis, of course, and St. Paul in Minnesota. Uh, recently, Santa Fe, New Mexico, just recently had their first ranked choice voting election. Tacoma Park, Maryland, and there are cities also in uh, Colorado that are using it. In Maine, we just had our first statewide, as everyone knows, ranked choice voting election in June. And so so they're, they're like got the most attention right now with for the first statewide ranked choice voting. And are there other locations that we can share that are on the horizon? We'll be using it next or have adopted ranked choice well, voting? Well, we are. We at the ranked choice voting resource center are excited about um, the, kind of a little bit of a surge in interest in ranked choice voting. Um, there's Benton County, Oregon um, is really close to um, being able to implement. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion in Memphis, Tennessee, the city, and in Sarasota, Florida. Um, and in the state of Utah, the cities, municipalities out there currently now have the option to choose to do their municipal elections using ranked choice voting. It's exciting to see the growing interest. It's definitely keeping us busy. I think you would agree yes, with that. Um, yes. and, and there's even some others on the horizon. And so we'll just have to keep folks posted on, on those developments. Um, I think ones that we didn't touch on Las Cruces, New Mexico has adopted it and Amherst, Massachusetts. And those have all, those have both been in just the last couple of months. So uh, stay tuned, I guess, is what we would tell our listeners. No kidding. So let's get into some of the, the how to's. How does a voter even mark a ranked choice ballot? Well, 
it's actually very simple. And in my experiences um, on the ground um, in places that are actually administering it, um, the voters are not having a problem. It's as simple as one, two, three. And they could have more rankings beyond that, depending on how many rankings jurisdiction is going to allow. The common thread is three rankings right now. So you vote for your first choice, then you get to vote for your second choice. And then you, if you have a third choice, you can vote for your third choice. And the voters truly don't seem to have a problem with it. I know in uh, 2009 in Minneapolis, 95% of the voters said it was simple to rank. And that was their first ranked choice voting election. Minneapolis makes me think of, of some of the voter education efforts you've discussed with, with me and others on the team before. Can you talk a little bit about how you've, you've seen Minneapolis and other places, the voter education efforts that they've made and how they've had that kind of success rate on um, or, or feedback from the voters? Well, I'm a big person um, that really touts uh, voter education. It's like the, one of the most important things, especially when you're implementing anything new, and that could be new voting equipment or a new voting method like ranked choice voting. So Minneapolis, right from the very beginning, they decided to send out what they call a voter information guide, and they mail one to every household in the city. And they started doing that um, in 2009, and they've done it in every ranked choice voting election because they only use ranked choice voting every four years in the municipal elections. Um, but the voters have all said that they've ranked that at the very top in the post-election survey as the best way they have understood how to do it. And the second right below that is the explanations that they get in the polling place from the boots on the ground, our poll workers. Um, that last bit of information on do you understand how to mark your ballot right before they go in to mark their ballot. So it sounds like ballot instruction and, and just even some simple guidance for, for locations that don't have, or aren't the size of Minneapolis, don't have as many media outlets and things. Uh, just basic instruction at the polling place has been an effective education tool? Absolutely. Just to ask a voter, do you know what ranked choice voting is? Do you need help in understanding how to mark your ballot? And the poll workers are all, um, they have a handout they give when the voter comes in if they have a question. And again, it's that simple one, two, three handout and very simple, um, simple instruction, simple ballot design with clear instructions is the key. And, and going back to Minneapolis again, and and just sticking with voter education in general, I know they made an effort, especially in this past election, to give explanation of how the ballots are actually counted for the voters to understand. Can you give our listeners some basic explanation here on how the ballots are counted? Sure. And again, um, there's a lot of visuals on our rankedchoicevoting.org um, website um, if you're interested in looking at more information on that. But tabulation rounds can easily be described as the first election results that come out on election night are just like any other election result. The votes are counted for the first ranking. And if any candidate receives over 50 percent of the votes, um, they're declared the winner and it's over. If we don't have a candidate with over 50%, the candidate receiving the fewest number of votes is basically eliminated. And those second choice votes on those ballots 
are redistributed to the remaining candidates and we tabulate again. If again, if we have a candidate with over 50%, it stops and they're the winner. And so the tabulation rounds continue until we have a winner or we're down to just two candidates. And it's really that simple. Is there anything else you'd want to touch on, Connie? I know that you and I in particular seem to have traveled a good bit representing the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center and and have been in front of some legislative bodies and conferences. So I know that you've got experience just explaining this for the first time out with folks. So I'll give you an opportunity if there's anything else you want to touch on um, to share that at this point. Voters, if they have good education, if there's a really good ballot design and layout, and we focus on voter education and we inform candidates and media on how we're going to tabulate and how simple it is to understand that tabulation, it's, it's really not difficult to implement and administer. So that's the basics of RCV, how to mark the ballot, why single winner RCV gets used, and how it gets counted. Next, you'll get an introduction to multi-winner RCV. Let's get started with George explaining the multi-winner RCV process, which is also known as single transferable vote. In the multi-winner RCV process, candidates run at large or in districts with multi-seat. Such candidate offices as president or governor or mayor are clearly single-seat winner contests. Examples of potential multi-winner contests are a county commission, city council, school board, or a legislator. When more than one individual is elected at large or for districts elections with multiple representatives within a district. The voting process here is identical to single winner RCV with each voter having one vote expressed as rankings. However, with more candidates being elected in the contest, there are likely to be more candidates than in a single winner contest. This also may affect the jurisdiction's decision about how many rankings to allow. With multi-winner RCV, a quota or threshold determines when a candidate has been elected. And here is where multi-winner RCV begins to depart from the single winner process. We'll go into this in greater detail later, but essentially the threshold is the number of votes in candidates, that is the number to be elected, can receive, but N plus one cannot, for example, in a three-seat contest, the threshold is the number of votes three candidates can receive, but four cannot. Each voter's single vote is eventually counted toward one candidate, or in modern STV methods, divided among multiple candidates. Whether counted for one candidate or divided among multiple candidates, the value of each vote remains one, thus the term single transferable vote. Finally, multi-winner RCV results in proportional representation. George covered a lot of details in that clip. Before we get into the math of multi-winner tabulation, let's briefly consider why this voting method is used and focus on the proportional representation aspect. Ranked choice voting assures that any substantial like-minded group can win representation roughly in proportion to its share of the vote in the represented region. This stands in contrast to the winner-take-all systems in which, as mentioned, a majority or even a plurality of voters controls the makeup of the whole body to the exclusion of minorities. 
in proportional representation systems, a majority of voters will still elect a majority of a legislative body, but smaller groups have the power to elect representatives as well. The idea behind proportional representation was well stated by 19th century theologian and philosopher Ernst Nabel when he said, in a democratic government, the right of decision belongs to the majority, but the right of representation belongs to all. Now that you have a foundation about multi-winner RCV, let's listen to more excerpts from George as he outlines how the threshold is calculated. Listener warning, there's a good bit of math discussed in this segment, but it's actually pretty simple in the end. Now let's look at how this actually works. As with single winner RCV, each voter ranks some or all candidates. Then the number of ballots cast provides the basis for the next step. And that is the calculation of a threshold or quota. With the threshold being a number greater than the number of valid ballots cast divided by the number of seats to be filled plus one. This might be best understood as a percentage and it results in a threshold of 25% plus for three seat contests, a threshold of 20% plus for four seat contests, or a threshold of 10% plus for a nine seat contest. This is the percentage of the vote that a candidate needs in order to get elected. Now being elected with 10% of the vote may not sound like majority rule, but think about it. If there were one majority winner from each of nine single districts, each representative would have been elected by a very small percentage of the total vote. Say each district had a thousand voters, each winner gets 51%, they would each have less than 6% of the citywide vote. In a similar RCV multi-seat election, each winner would be required to receive 901 votes to reach the 10% plus threshold. In fact, in filling any number of seats, multi-seat, multi-winner RCV requires greater support for winners than a comparable single member district method. The next step is if a candidate's vote exceeds the threshold, the extra votes are transferred to the voters next highest ranked candidate. This ensures that all votes are fully meaningful to the outcome and that a majority view will elect a majority of the seats. And subsequently, if there are still seats to be filled, Just as in single winner RCV, the candidate with the fewest votes is eliminated and his or her votes are then counted for their next highest ranked candidate. So there it is, ranked choice voting in a nutshell. And now for a brief update on RCV adoptions and implementations since we recorded these episodes. First, five cities implemented RCV for the first time this fall. East Point, Michigan, St. Louis Park, Minnesota, Las Cruces, New Mexico, Payson, Utah, and Vineyard, Utah. Next, Maine is expanding its use of RCV next year to include presidential elections, adding to their use of RCV for House and Senate elections and for federal and state primaries. New York City and East Hampton, Massachusetts also adopted RCV this fall and will implement it in 2021. And five states are using ranked choice voting in their Democratic presidential primaries next year. Finally, Benton County, Oregon and Amherst, Massachusetts, mentioned by Connie in the first segment, are implementing in 2020 and 2021 respectively. 
If you want to hear more about these implementations and adoptions, check out our November 2019 webinar, RCV in 2019. And now for this month's final round, where we share an interesting bit of trivia, useful tidbit, or just something we thought was cool for folks to know about ranked choice voting. Here's Rosemary Blizzard with this month's final round. According to iTunes, the most downloaded Christmas movie is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Earlier this month, we gave more than 400 middle schoolers in North Carolina a ranked choice ballot and asked them to rank not only their favorite holiday movie, but holiday carol and food. Over 90% of students agreed that ranked choice voting was simple and easy to understand. Tune in to our January 2020 episode of RCV Clips to find out the winners and how future voters feel about ranked choice voting. Thank you for joining us today for our December RCV Clip. This is a monthly segment produced by the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. Follow us on Twitter at RCV Resources, on Facebook and LinkedIn at Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center, and check out our website, rankedchoicevoting.org, for more RCV resources. You can find our show anywhere you get podcasts. Please take some time to subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast, too. Our theme music is Flutterbee by Poddington Bear. Until next time, I'm Chris Hughes on behalf of Rosemary Blizzard, George Gilbert, and the rest of the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. Have a happy holiday and see you in the new year.